Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships, and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect. Okay, we're live. Hi, Charlie. Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Great to see you. It's great to be here, Jason. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. I'm I'm, um, looking forward to doing this with you. And, And today's subject is going to be about grief and trauma and PTSD and um, I think I'm just going to hand it over to you to start and and, and see where we jump off you know I know that um, my own story I mean we've got sort of similar experiences and in my own story there's a lot of grief and trauma and anxiety from from the past and my own childhood experiences but I think in similar ways we've seen something different about it right today yes yes so uh, when I was 21, my brother and father were in a motorbike accident. My brother was 18 and my dad was 48. And um, they had a, they crashed, basically. My dad had let my brother drive his motorbike, um, which was illegal at the time, anyway. And my brother crashed and he died, uh, very sadly. And my father lived. Um, I was studying um, teacher training at Derby University at that point when I got the phone call at midnight. And then I basically travelled home and on that night I identified my brother's body. Mm. So it was a real, um, you know, like in terms of how you think your family's going to be. So there was three of us, me and my brother in the middle. My sister was um, the youngest, she was 16. My mum and dad had just got divorced. And you kind of think your life's going to be a certain way, you take it for granted. You know, it, was, it wasn't perfect by any means, but it was, um, it was good, it was stable. Um, I had a roof over my head, etc. cetera. Um, and all of a sudden, in one moment, that completely changed. And at this point, when the accident happened, um, I didn't know my dad was going to live. So I literally spent, well, the next 25 years really looking after him. But those first eight, nine months, I didn't leave his side at all. And just um, kind of watched him go through horrendous absolutely horrendous things in terms of his recovery because he couldn't walk he couldn't talk so I became his voice um uh, so I quit university and um say fast forward like maybe eight well my dad went into a different hospital after about nine months and I went back to where I was living which was in Derby and started to do nurse nurse training mental mental health nurse training. So I'd quit my teaching and I thought, I'll be able to help people because this has been awful. That was my kind of passion at that point. But what I began to do in my struggle to deal with 
to the depth of loss and the trauma of what I'd watched my dad go through was I started to take drugs. Um, and what I didn't know as well, which is interesting to me looking back, is that I became incredibly anxious, fearful, very fearful of loss. Um, I started having um, flashbacks. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. So for me, what that, how that manifested was that I'd have chronic flashbacks of the accident, what I, what I thought happened in the accident, flashbacks of identifying my brother's body, flashbacks of all the horrendous stuff that my dad had gone through. And this sort of dominated dominated my life and so I just I started taking drugs and they referred me to uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and in that what they do is they say uh, in a process called flooding they told me to put motorbike pictures up everywhere around me which <clears throat> at the time I couldn't cope with I didn't cope with so I just smoked more weed took more drugs <laughs> And all the while, amazingly, um, I was doing my mental health nurse training and I did it. I turned up every day and uh, for three years and continued to um, abuse drugs um, and work as well. So I was training, working and basically taking drugs as much as I possibly could. Um, and also going back and looking after my father. So that sort of sets the scene for how for how I was and I didn't realize that this so I quit the CBT because I couldn't cope with looking at motorbikes for me it, it just it didn't feel right there was something about that that therapy that didn't sit well with me even at that young age um and Yeah, that sort of carried on really. That I, I qualified as a as a mental health nurse. My dad continued to be very, very unwell. He tried to kill himself a few times, and in the end, um, I decided to move down to Cambridge to be near him, to to be nearer him, to look after him. By this point, he'd been moved to Patworth Hospital, um, and. And all the while, even though the, the flashbacks weren't quite so bad, the anxiety was getting higher. But I, again, I didn't know that I had anxiety. I thought what I was experiencing was normal. So also that, that was a misunderstanding for me. And I was just managing it by smoking cigarettes um, and and trying to do the best that I could with with the thinking that made sense to me, but it was there was a lot of trauma in in those in those early years. Um, so, trying to kind of put this all in <laughs> when um, I became an addictions counsellor, and I could, I got very interested in the addiction side of it because when I left Derby, one of the reasons I left, aside from my dad um, trying to kill himself and me thinking I'll go back and I'll, I'll care for him, another focus for me at that point was I wanted to stop the taking drugs. 
And of course, when you take drugs, you're surrounded by other people who take drugs. So it's normalized. But I knew in my heart that I didn't want to be doing that anymore. I knew in my heart that there was possibly two routes for me here. There was the route to go further down that drug addiction path, or there was the route to get out and, and try and start a new life. And that's what I did. I moved to Cambridge under the umbrella of looking after my father but it was really to get away from from the drugs and and the scene and my friends so I moved to Cambridge I didn't know anyone um became an addictions specialist nurse um had always been very interested in how some people could sort of just get themselves off i.e me at that point and how other people had had really struggled and and I've seen you know a couple of people lose their lives because of it and so it was fascinating to me. So I started learning much more about that as, an, as a mental health nurse. That became my speciality. Um, so at that point, I stopped taking drugs. But as time went on in my own life, my dad still continued to have sort of, um, he was very unwell, very depressed. By this point, I'd, I'd had my own son. And they asked me to set up a service at Adam Brooks Hospital, which is a massive teaching hospital in the UK, in Cambridge. And I was very young, uh, well, not very young, I'd say early 30s, um, still really kind of reeling from what had happened, hadn't really dealt with any of it, just muddled my way through. And at this point, I started drinking alcohol. My marriage broke down, not because of that, but for other reasons. And when that broke down, the drinking kind of progressively got worse. And it was like one moment when I realised, going sort of fast forward about four years, I suddenly realised I'm normalising my drinking because the clients I'm working with are drinking so much more. And actually, I've just swapped one addiction for another. So it was an an insight that I had about it still not realizing that I was chronically anxious and that's how I was kind of medicating or managing it um so I quit I just quit one day and decided to do PT my personal training and start learning about house <laughs> and then what I did was I started exercising obsessively like four hours a day <laughs> so I stopped the drinking and kind of went into that so you can see like in terms of me managing my grief as it were not really dealing with with it in the way that um you know I just didn't want to I didn't want to feel those feelings those feelings of grief and pain and trauma and flashbacks were really scary for me I didn't know that and I just managed it in in these sort of various in these various ways and the flashbacks for me became like a normal part of my life flashbacks every time I saw a motorbike or um every time my dad went back into hospital it was like going back um to that first first occasion and that happened that would probably happen once or twice a year every year um so fast forward uh 2016 my father eventually passed away after 
another horrific couple of years before he died. And <clears throat> and then, as luck would have it, I ended up in hospital myself after he died. And I was in the same A&E bed in the hospital that he'd been in. And so, of course, the the flashbacks, the fear, the anxiety, the, oh gosh, just, I was so frightened of my experience and I just, I, I, I felt like at the time I wasn't coping. I thought I was broken and, um, and I was really struggling with nightmares, not sleeping, all of the sort of classic symptoms really. And then I decided in my wisdom to sell everything, sell my house, sell my business. <laughs> and I fell into, by pure luck um, or divine intervention or, I don't know, wisdom, something, I fell into the three principles by accident. And what that showed me as I, well, the first year of my coaching course, I didn't speak to anyone. I hid behind the screen. I didn't connect. I was just listening. And at first I was thinking, what the bloody hell are they on about? Like, what have I done? I thought this was a coaching course. Like, this is, what is this? And I sort of was really like, oh, shit. I have um, wasted all this money and this anyway blah blah but as I slowly quietened down that um, self-beration about this course I started to hear something I started to listen I started to show up I still didn't want to see anyone or talk to anyone I could completely isolate myself at this point um, and lived in this sort of real physical state of anxiety panic attacks that sort of thing and i just started slowly hearing oh you're okay oh, you're not broken um i started to hear that we create our reality from our thoughts and I'd heard that before, you know, like I'd studied self-development, I'd studied law of attraction, I'd read all the books, I've got probably a billion <laughs> books, I was addicted to buying them and reading them, that was another thing. But I just heard something on a really, really deep level, and one day I was walking my dog, and I suddenly had an insight about my anxiety that I didn't really know I had. And the insight was, oh, you're creating your anxious feelings from your thinking. And you have done that to yourself to protect yourself from the grief and pain that you have been feeling for 25 years. And it was just one thought, basically, a new thought that I'd never thought before. And it... It's a moment I'll never forget because I suddenly saw all of the behaviors, anxious behaviors that I'd been doing 
to the to to ridiculous things like I had to have the same knife and fork. Um, I had to have the same plate. I had to put the plates and everything back in the same place. I had to put things on the supermarket trolley in the same way. I had to feed my son at a certain time. Uh, I had to walk the dog at like there's all these sort of arbitrary um, rules that I'd made up, which I thought were keeping me safe. So I didn't know I was already safe. And so in terms of like grief and trauma, I'd never been told that I was already safe. I'd never been told that I wasn't broken. That had been reinforced to me, you know, by psychotherapists and other therapists. You know, you need to come and see us twice a week. You know, you're going to be living with this for the rest of your life type of thing. Nobody had said to me, no, you're already safe and you're not broken. And so I heard that. I heard that. And it actually became quite funny when I had the thought, like the night, like, let's use this knife and fork. Oh, no, <laughs> you don't have to. It's so weird to explain how it had kind of played out for years and years and years. Um. And, and in terms of the flashbacks, um, as I was saying to you earlier on before it was recording, this year only, after 25 years of having flashbacks when I saw a motorbike, I suddenly had the thought, because you know how your mind will just go off on a little, like a roller coaster of, and it will just, you know, gain momentum. And, and that's what a flashback was like for me. It would be like I was in this scenario it was like a movie playing out in my head and it would paralyze me and often I'd be driving in my car so it was not the safest thing <laughs> to be happening and I think it was this March this year I, I saw a motorbike and my mind started to go off on this kind of tornado of this this visual this movie and I suddenly realized you don't have to do that you don't have to go there and again, it was another really profound moment of of seeing the true nature of of how powerful thought is to create our reality. And and in that sense, the post traumatic stress, you know, for me, the power of thought was I wasn't even at the accident. I wasn't in the accident. My trauma was coming from my thinking about what happened my replaying what had happened um and there were other sort of real life experiences that I was replaying but that was you know I, I wasn't there so a motorbike although you know it did take my brother and it and it changed my father the misunderstanding again for me was that my father was fine he was always fine he believed otherwise and I bought into that and I wish I could you know I wish I'd found this understanding before you know I could have told him that no matter what was happening to him physically he was fine he was still being lived he still had a lot to offer um despite you know what he was going through and 
And I can see that now in myself. I can see that in my son. I can see that in everyone. I see that in my clients. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You, it, was, um, it was interesting listening, and especially when you were saying that about trauma then, you know, that it was like, because I had, like, my dad died in an accident too, and, and um, you know, the judgment of the experience that I was having was more the problem than the actual experience. You know, I always saw trauma as the creation of the problem, but more it was the judgment of my response you know to the experience that all the ways i behaved all the addictions all the behaviors that i had you know and like me telling myself on a consistent basis that it shouldn't be this way you know and other people confirming that like you said you know saying that um there's something wrong with you you need fixing you need to unpick the past you need to desensitize yourself you need to talk about the loss and the grief and so on you know and it's like just never seeing trauma as a as a sad tragic event but new, but the neutrality in it you know in the fact that it happened and then i chose to suffer from it you know because i chose to relive the experience on a on a consistent basis and i chose for me to create my whole identity around that as the victim of you know that of that experience you know oh yeah my dad died when I was a kid and blah, 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 blah. You know, that was my story. And it was kind of like, and, um, and then I'd go into, and that caused me to have addictions and grief and and so on. And, um, and, and that disconnected me from relationships. And that's the reason that I don't connect with people very well because I'm everyone who I ever love uh, leaves me. You know, I had this whole thing created around that, you know, and it was, um, like you said, you know, it was kind of like a, an insight and awakening to the fact that, that I, I wasn't that story, you know, that that story was only, and it, and it, this stuff sounds great conceptually, but like, it's, it's a different experience to a concept when you really see it for the, for the truth, for, for what it really is. You know, when, when I woke up to that realization of seeing that, oh, I'm not that story that isn't happening right now. You know, it's kind of like that happened, you know, and it is and will always be sad and tragic, but like, yeah. but I'm not a victim of that. And I'm not a survivor of that either, because for a while I thought, okay, I'm not a victim, I'm a survivor. But then I thought, well, for me to be a survivor of that, then I have to still be carrying the story, you know, that the, that is just something that happened, you know, and I am me separate to that, you know, I don't have to have an identity created around my experience, that I'm just living life through thought in the moment, and that isn't happening in this moment, you know, mm. that was that was my big experience of freedom from from that story, you know, that it's like people used to say, oh, well, you know, like you're a survivor, you know, and I'd be like, they couldn't get their head around the fact that no, I'm not. I'm not a survivor. You know, I'm not a survivor of that experience. You know, that's something that happened. That's sad, and it's like, and and now I'm I'm me, and I'm living my life in this moment. And and I guess what I wanted to ask you when you when you were saying because you talked about like the experience of of that insight that you had, of that realization that you had, but like, you know, what what. What what changed? You know, what was your experience? How you know, like not in not in that sort of you know, in just in everyday terms. You know, what changed about your experience of life? Because you also said you was um, struggling with anxiety, but you weren't really aware of it. You know, and 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 you was meditating yeah. it and stuff like that. So, how did your life look different? 
That's a great question. Um, so in that moment, which it was like one moment, one thought of, um, oh, you've been creating your anxious feelings from your thinking. Um, what changed for me is going to sound a bit strange, but I no longer had this sort of structure around my time. Um, and and people, if they didn't respond, so I'm one of those people, if someone was texting me, so because when, when the accident happened, I was 21, afterwards, my dad got me a phone so he could contact me all the time. Mm. And it was my first mobile phone. It was when they first started coming out. You remember those little Nokia things? Yeah. And and so I, I got this anxiety around phones and, and responding to people. So this, uh, one of the things that was making me anxious was, and I didn't know this, was that I'd get a text message or a Facebook message or an email and I'd have to respond straight away. And if I didn't, if I couldn't, it would, it would really cause me uh, quite a lot of panic, which really interrupts your day <laughs> if, you, if you are getting on with a normal day, right? But that, I know that it came from my dad, you know, being, um, you know, sad and depressed and worried and stuff like that. Um, so that changed for me. Like I'll get a text and I'll think, I don't have to respond. I mean, this is amazing. There's so much freedom in that. <laughs> Um, especially when you run your own business um, and I can eat with a different knife and fork I mean this is <laughs> this is why it sounds so weird right whatever in my mind possessed me to think I had to have a certain knife and fork I don't know I can I can I can walk the dog once a day if I want to like it doesn't have to be twice a day for an hour a day like I can exercise if I want to I can go for a run if I want to I don't have to exercise for like two hours a day and do these specific moves and you know there's so much like I had to as well one of the structures in my day was that I had to have a sleep in the afternoon and if I couldn't get that sleep in the afternoon I'd go into panic and now I just if I want to go to sleep in the afternoon I will and if I don't I don't there's no panic about it there's no clock watching there's no there's just no anxious feelings around it. If someone doesn't text me back, if they've gone on a journey, I don't get panicked and anxious about the fact that they've died. Um, that's a big one, I think, because I'd have to make everyone who visited me text me. <laughs> and of course, people forget, like people don't live in the same sort reality that I do so they'd forget so I'd go into this off on this whirlwind panic the biggest thing though Jason I think is it's just that I'm not living in this perpetual state of anxiety and and as a result I don't feel like I have to you know use food use exercise use alcohol use drugs not that I've used drugs for like many, many years. Um, my workaholic, you know, addiction, that was, that was something. I don't have to do these things. So there's time and there's space and I'm okay with that. Whereas before I wasn't okay with having any time or space. 
I didn't want to waste a single second. I thought I was wasting a second if I wasted, you know, my life. Um, you know, I can sit and read a book if I want to, as before I wouldn't have allowed myself to do that because I'd have just been like on this treadmill of not allowing any feelings to come through, just keep like dampening down these anxiety feelings. But I didn't know they were anxiety feelings. I'd have panic attacks and I didn't even... It's so weird to say that. <clears throat> I don't think many people can understand that I didn't know I had anxiety, which probably helped because I never went to the doctors to get any medication for it. But um, yeah, it's only after I realised what I was doing that I realised what I had. So yeah, there's lots and lots and lots of ways my life has has changed but it's the space and it's the it's the peace I know I can access which I'd never as in my memory obviously as a child I could but um you know certainly from the age of 21 I I I could access peace when I was drunk or if I'd taken drugs or if I'd smoked weed you know or if I'd spun on a spinning bike for two hours <laughs> That's a little mini, mini bit of peace. Um, so, yeah, I can access peace and I can access compassion for myself, for making, you know, for, for doing what she thought was the best at the time. And I couldn't access any compassion for myself before at all. I was really hard on myself. And I didn't know that either, really. I thought that was normal. Um, so yeah, so much has changed. I'm not obsessed about my weight. That was another thing. Um, it's huge, really. Yeah, I was just think I was when I was listening to you, I was just thinking, wow, you know, it's kind of like so many things, you know, and it's like, you know, those are typically the things that like we would get diagnoses for or like, you know, be sent from pillar to post from psychiatric service to um, different types of therapist. And many people out there, are, you know, who, people who might be listening might be going to EMDR for, you know, for trauma and going to grief therapy for grief and going, taking pills for anxiety and, yeah. you know, and, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, I think what you said was was really apt about not knowing because a lot of people are suffering with the symptoms of that, but not knowing, you know, like what their experience is. They're just medicating it in some way. You know, they're just they're just caught up in taking drugs, but they don't connect the fact of their struggles because there's a real there was for me, you know, a real disconnect between my experience of past and my experience of present. You know, I didn't I didn't really see that I was trying to escape from that. Um, mm. But yeah, what you what you were saying was like so many different things that um, would would receive its own wonderful diagnosis from our from our um, wonderful mental health services that we have, you know, prof professionals, and, um, and and just one insight just sort of made such a difference, you know, to just just that seeing of how we create our reality in the moment made gave you such a freedom from um all, all those different things and I, I think one thing that stood out to me in all of it was control you know how we like want to um control our experience because in one way it's kind of in, in a way it's medicating our, our our um 
stopping us from feeling you know it's keeping us out of a feeling state right by having the control you know like of, of like you said about the knives and forks and the plates and all those things you know it's just something to keep control of right um it, you know it was um it's it made me think about my own change you know and uh, again many years of even after stopping taking drugs for many years you know still struggling with some things but uh, but everything just falling away in a moment of of realization of of how the mind really works now you know the what you shared about was the power of seeing that beyond the concept. You know, it's kind of like that, that's what, you know, when I speak to people, it's kind of like, it sounds great conceptually, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I talk about how the mind really works and it's like, Oh yeah, I, I can see that. But like what, what you shared about was like beyond the, beyond the intellectual, you know, like when you really see it for the truth, for what it is, because when you really see that for the truth of what it is and, and you wake up to that realization of, of what you've been creating all along, you know, that's where that freedom that you talked about comes from, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the control thing is, is absolutely right. And it was the control of um, wanting to feel safe because in one moment my life, you know, the rug had been pulled from under me. So I felt unsafe. So all of those things I was doing were about controlling my apparent or how I saw my safety. And I didn't know that. Mm. Um, and it was, I feel, that's why I feel so very blessed in some way to have stumbled across this and to have had such two very profound, you know, like I've had many, many insights, <laughs> but just to have that in two moments just that that wisdom that we've all got access to every single one of us and because i've had experience of that for myself and i've met other people like yourself who have i can share that confidently with my with my clients and say you know it's within you too without sounding like some fluffy unicorn <laughs> but yeah it's interesting what do you think was the what, what was the um or do you have one thing like the biggest thing that that um yeah i know the insight was like seeing of how it was created but being around sort of other people who was looking in this direction or something what do you think was the biggest thing that made a difference to you because because what you've shared about is like is what a lot of people suffer with in silence you know they they, they yeah. think it'll go away they think it'll pass they think it's a phase they think one day they'll get an angle on it and things will change you know and it's like um and in the same way i did but like what do you what do you think was the biggest sort of how did you, I, I remember you said you, you, you sort of fell into this, like learning about this understanding, you know, what, 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 what was a bit more about that, you know, about what, what was the biggest thing that, that made a difference or what did you hear in here that made you look in this direction? Well, I fell into it by accident. So I was looking for a coaching course and um, stumbled across a course, um, thinking it was a coaching course and it kind of was but it was coaching from this understanding. So I had no idea what they were talking about. 
Um, and because I was so anxious at this, at this point and had isolated myself, wasn't talking to anyone, wasn't seeing anyone, um, it had more of a, like a drip, drip, drip effect. And I, I went to a retreat where Jan and Chip Chipman were talking. Yeah. And I had a one-to-one with Chip. And there was, there was just something in the way he spoke to me something in in what he said and i i can't tell you what it was um i don't know and it, and it wasn't even then that i had the insight but i i heard something in what he was saying about his experience of working with sid about his experience with his father uh, you know his insights there was there was a calmness and a strength in him that I felt on a really deep level and it stayed with me and his wife I had a few chats with her but I had like a you know little one-to-one with Chip and it was just I heard wisdom mm. and he saw me and that was that was powerful. Like he was talking to my wisdom, not my story. And that was that was interesting and very freeing because most people who I've spoken to, like counselors, therapists, psychotherapists, they talk to my victimhood, they talk to my trauma, they talk to my story. And and so I I I can't tell you, probably like you, how many times I had to recount that story. <laughs> but I didn't have to with Chip. You know, he he spoke to he spoke to me. He seemed to see me, and there was a gift in that for me. I can't tell you what I hit, what I heard, or or what made the difference. Um. It just, you know, it was just one random day walking the dog and I just had a new thought. Um, so, yeah, random, yeah. but powerful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I, when people ask me, I always say that it was like that somebody saw in me what I didn't see in myself, you know, and it's like I could tell that they were talking to that part of me always, that they never... Um, doubted that that wisdom in me, that that innate health in me existed, that they never bought my story or my, or, or my, you know, my creations or my madness, you know, that I came up with, like it was always that they could see past that, you know, and, and, and I guess in the same way that you said Chip spoke to you in that way, you know, that it's like, and I guess for anyone listening, you know, it's like, and, and similar to you, you know, like I heard this, I was exposed to this by accident, you know, I fell into it by accident. And um, actually I was pirating a, um, a video online, you know, and, I, and, and it, was about the, it was about the principles and I was, it was playing next to me and I just kept hearing it. And I didn't sit up and go, oh my God, my life's wonderful. Everything's, I've woke up, you know, it was just <laughs> kind of like, I just kept hearing it thinking, there's just something in what this guy's saying that's really of like, that touches me in a place that makes me think 
there's something more in this for me. I need to, I need to know more. And that's, you know, when I say to people about that wisdom, you know, it's kind of like, there's just a sense that there's something more in, in this, you know, to be heard. And, and that's all, you know, that's how the journey started, you know? And, um, I think we're, I'm going to, I'm going to have to wrap it up because we're running out of time, but, um, you know, I've loved the conversation and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, um, we've got very similar stories and very similar experiences with, with uh, how we saw this stuff and the, the way it looked before. But um, I'd love to give people an opportunity. How can people, what are you doing and how can people um, get in touch with you? So I have a website. It's called I am Charlie with an I wall, W-A-L-L.com. Um, that's my main website. I have, I'm on Facebook and all of the social media places. I tend to coach one-to-one, but I also run an online group um, where I have guest presenters once a month and I do exercise and yoga and try and cover like the holistic female, um, you know, all of that stuff, nutrition recipes, but I am teaching, you know, this understanding to them and, and, um, have guests on and, and that's having some incredible results. So yeah, I do loads of things. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thank you. It's been really nice to talk to you as well. Brilliant. Okay. Right. Cool. Thank you very much. Bye.